we we would compete you know it was like Levi can eat, you know, eight McDoubles and eight McChickens. Well, you bet your ass I'm going to eat nine and eight McChickens, you know. Welcome everyone to episode seven of the Thanks Coach Podcast, where we talk about lessons learned from life's many coaches. My name is Wyatt Rhodes, and as host of this podcast, it is my goal to share with you the lives and stories of individuals that I hope will challenge you to reshape the way you think about, work toward, and achieve your goals in life, whatever they may be. The following interview is going to split up into two episodes due to the length of our conversation, as I am joined today by Levi and Landon Paulson twins from a small town in Iowa who have gone on to achieve anything but small things in their lives. We will talk about what it was like to grow up in a small town, what they learned from being Division I college football players, and what they're still learning in their day-to-day lives. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you take away one small thing from any of my episodes, I will consider this podcast a success. If you do, please consider sharing what you've learned with others, or even sharing my podcast with them so they can learn for themselves. With all that in mind, here is episode seven with the Paulson Twins. All right, Levi Landon, what's up, boys? Oh, you know. Thanks for having us, Wyatt. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, all right, so let's let's go back to last time we would have would have been together. Um, I think probably freshman year of college, huh? Back in back in Ames. I think that was probably the last time. Oh my we, gosh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I think that would have been the last time we ran into each other. Um, you guys were up Wait, in town. Wait, was that actually the... in Ames? Like we were with Kobe? Yeah, we were in Ames. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about yeah. that. Good time, For man. the uh, Sci-Hawk game, I bumped into you guys just complete chance. and <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. Long time ago. But it seems yeah, like I yesterday. I'm going to say that was like, that would have been like, 2015 fall of 2015 2015 that was it man um all right so let's let's jump back even even further um i always like just start these with how i met whoever i got on so um we met at the shrine bowl and it would have been just a little bit before that fall of summer fall of 2015 um just I'll, i'll let you guys talk about that um I guess leading up to the shrine. What what did that look for you guys getting picked for the Shrine Bowl? Um, leading up to the Shrine Bowl, how 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 was that? Yeah, it was. There's a little bit of uncertainty um, because typically there'd never been two from our specific Shrine Temple. We there'd never been two pick from that specific district. So Landon and I were like kind of thinking that you know we weren't gonna you know both play in it. Ended up the head of our temple ended up finagling some strings, talked to them, said, what are you guys going to do? Um, they ended up inviting us. We did the fundraising um, and uh, ended up going to the Shrine Bowl there, headed into um, 2015. I know that we were already in workouts that summer, went through the whole sum- whole workout that summer. However, up until maybe one of the last weeks, we uh, uh, 
left, knew we were going to redshirt. Coach Ferentz gave us the okay to, you know, go to the Shrine Bowl. So went to the Shrine Bowl. I kind of had a short-lived Shrine Bowl. I didn't get to uh, cultivate a good relationship uh, with many of the guys. I think the first practice that we had pads on ended up dislocating my elbow and uh, uh, ripping a bunch of ligaments and tendons in my elbow. Put me in a sling for about two months. It was a, a rough go at it. I think I came back the last day. Um, of the Shrine Bowl to watch the game, and, and that was it. But painkillers to no end. Yeah, yeah. like loopy <laughs> crap. I had uh, I gave Levi my my iPad that day when he came back, and uh, I still haven't found it. It's uh, uh it's in a uni dome somewhere. Um, an <laughs> iPad that we won playing a playing a dodgeball tournament. But yeah, we uh, we got chosen to go to the Shrine Bowl, and and you know when we. That, that summer of 2015 was you know, our first summer at Iowa um, and as our first summer at, as Hawkeyes. And it was kind of up in the air whether, you know, the coaches like guys to play on the Shrine Bowl, you know, the risk of getting hurt, guys, and, and you know, this, that, and the other. And we're like, well, we're doing it. Um, we thought it was a cool opportunity. And, you know, there's only a couple of guys um, in our high school that had ever been chosen for it, you know, and their pictures are hanging up in the wall of fame or whatever like man it's like back in the 80s when the last people that went you know so we were we were happy and we were humbled to, to represent our high school you know small little town of of Mobile Iowa and and uh, Woodbury Central High School um but man for me it was uh the Shrine Bowl was an incredible experience you know y y the coaches that we had on that team were a lot of guys who uh played in the Shrine Bowl you know and we're on North Shrine you know, and, uh, and, uh, you know, they told us about their experiences when they, when they first got there, you know, and they're like, you guys won't believe it, you know, telling us, um, at the beginning at the coach, Alex Pollock, you know, telling us at the beginning, um, he's an applicant Parkersburg coach, head coach right now. He tells us at the beginning, he said, boys, I, I want you guys to realize what's going to happen this week while we're at the Shrine Bowl. Um, you guys are going to make friends, um, in a week's time that we'll be friends for, for a lifetime, you know, and you guys will share common experiences. Um, and man, I couldn't agree more. Um, those seven days, uh, we had a group of guys on North Shrine and, and uh, offense, defense, you know, special teams, whatnot. And we, uh, we had a really, really, really good time. You know, it was a little uneasy, you know, at the beginning. Um, and guys didn't really know each other, but, you know, as the week went on and Ragbury came through Cedar, Cedar Falls and we snuck out, you know, and went to the hairball concert, you know, <laughs> at night. And uh, I don't know, it was, it was an incredible experiences, experience, you know, and we have friends now, you know, including yourself that, you know, we can reach out to, you know, anytime we want, if we need a, if we need a reference or we, we know that, you know, why it's in Tucson or why it's in, in Boulder, you know, we can reach out to them and say, Hey, I'm going to be swinging through Boulder. You mind if I stay at your place? And, and we know that all those guys, you know, that we played with are, are have open doors and are willing to, uh, willing to, willing to accept you guys as friends and as brothers. And, you know, we played on, on a foot all-star football team basically for, for a week and, and practiced five days and then played a game and, and, uh, you know, it, incredible, incredible experiences. And then, you know, as soon as that Shrine Bowl was over, um, we met a couple guys over on the eastern side of the state, and we're, you know, four and a half, five hours away. 
And, uh, you know, those guys were rivals in high school and they hated each other. Ryan Parmley and, and, uh, and uh, Brent Lammers hated each other. Brent was, you know, one of our quarterbacks and Ryan was, Ryan was a running back and they hated each other in high school. And uh, we were so far away from home. I said, Hey Ryan, you know, it's too far to go, you know, to go home for break. You know, you mind if I come to your place? And sure enough, you know, he's like, come on up and he came up. And then every summer after that, we'd go up and we'd go boating and, and hang out and have a good time. And, you know, it's, kind of our home away from home while we were in Iowa City and it was it was kind of good to just kick back and relax and, and not think about football for a while but yeah cultivated from that Shrine Bowl experience Cult, cultivated from the Shrine Bowl experience and and uh you know and then we had, I mean we met we had so many freaking awesome guys on that team and uh I'll never forget Wyatt Rhodes on game day just freaking amping people up to no end like eye black all the way down his eyes you know, all the way around his eyes, you know, screaming, oh, man, it was, it was awesome. Some, I'll never forget it, man. I'll, I never will. Some sort of chant that I don't know if it was rehearsed or not, but it was very, you annoying. know it. Oh yeah. I know by heart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that was, so that was our, our pregame chant back at Gilbert high school. Um, no, I, I think there's stories about who started it, but no one knows for sure for sure who started when I mean it had been going on for years um and I changed it a little bit so it fit us for that week but yeah man that was that was a good time um you mentioned and I I think this was a cool piece of our team was being on North Shrine um at least I think compared to South the South team we had a lot more small town kids um on our team I mean I think we had like we had some Cedar Rapids kids um, so a little bit bigger, but South had had Iowa City. They had Des Moines. They, I mean, they had a lot of the bigger, bigger schools. Um, but I, I, I think that was one of the bonds right away. And I think something that's so cool about the state of Iowa in general, but that Shrine Bowl, that there's all these kids from these small schools, um, and it's a total community thing with the fundraising and and everything. And and like you guys said, the pride of. Um, being able to say that you were one of the ones from your high school that that got to represent that and what that means um that bond when you get there and you hear the stories about everyone's hometowns and all that kind of stuff and I just thought that was that was a cool thing about our team right away and I feel I well we were definitely the underdogs I think we ended up getting kind of crushed in that game but um just that 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 gritty small town Iowa blue collar mentality kind of that we had the entire time was was something I felt right away when we got there. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Yeah, it was great. It was a fun. And then, I'll never and forget a, it, man. Yeah. On a similar note, I think it was. I mean, one of the things right away where we all got to know each other was um, you guys were going to Iowa, obviously, to play football. And like you said, you guys were already. Were you were you guys already on campus, living there, and workouts and everything? Yeah. yeah. Um, so then me and Julian Good Jones, who was on our team too, on the North North team, um, we were at Iowa State and we had moved in earlier that summer and we were going through workouts at the same time. Um we had Brady Ross was on our team too. He ended up playing at Iowa yep. with it. You you uh quarterback was on the team too, right? Ended up going to Iowa. Drew Cook. Yep. yep. Um and so we all kind of had that in common. Oh, wait, wait. Drew Cook was on the South. Ryan Schmidt. Yeah. Schmidt, yeah, yeah. Ryan Schmidt. Um, 
yeah so that that was cool right away all knowing that we were going to be playing against each other every year and um had that common bond of we were already in summer workouts and everything too um Levi you mentioned yours got cut kind of short I I mean I felt kind of the same way so I was we were going through summer workouts all summer for Iowa State um but I was still playing high school baseball at the time too so we had um during that week we were in postseason play for baseball so I was going back and forth from Shrine Bowl to baseball games um and I had a messed up back at the time so because I think that's I don't, I don't remember if I actually ever had a full practice while we were at Shrine Bowl because my back was so jacked up. I think if I did, I went no pads or half pads or whatever it was. But, um, yeah, that entire time I was, I was so excited to be there for the Shrine game. But I was like, I got to put my energy in baseball too. I mean, we've been working toward this for so long and we ended up losing like halfway through the weeks. And I was like, okay, baseball's gone. And I came back to practice. I was like, I can't really play this week. So then, like you mentioned, I'm like, my entire mentality going to the game is like, if I can't do anything great on the field, I'm going to hype the out of these boys and get them, get them going, man. Yeah, that you was, did. yeah, that was, that was a fun week. Um, and like, and just, I guess we could talk about this real quick too, just um, the impact of it, which is something I thought was the coolest part. Um, and obviously it, it feels good to be picked for a, for an all-star game I think I was actually like a second pick there was a kid that dropped out and we found out my coach was like you in I'm like yep I'm in <laughs> like I don't care what oh, position yeah, I'm yeah. playing give me in um but so like you, you feel cool because you're an all-star of the state or whatever um but then like you said coach Pollock we got there and he's like you guys won't you don't know right now but at the end of this week um first off the friendships that you make but also the impact um being able to talk to the people that come in and, and talk about what, what the Shriners do. And um, I don't think we, we didn't get to go to the hospital that week, but you, you still get to, the kids came and we had that field day and all that. Um, what, what did that mean to you guys? I don't leave. I don't, I don't know if you were there for a ton of it, but. No, maybe, I wasn't. Yeah. Landon can talk about that at least a little bit. Man, it was uh it was incredible, you know, and, and, you know, that's the, that's really, I, I got chills thinking about it. That's the whole meaning behind the Shrine Bowl, you know, is, is strong, strong legs run so weak legs may walk, you know, and that's the, that's the, that's the saying behind it, you know, and just seeing, seeing the kids and having them on the field and, you know, having a picture day with them, you know, and hooting and hollering and throwing balls to them and, and seeing kids, you know, who, who were born without limbs or for some reason or another don't, don't have limbs or, you know, suffered severe hardships in their lives, you know, just seeing them and, and, and seeing them light up, you know, when they see high school football players, you know, seniors, you know, seniors in high school, you know, who are just graduated um, and just seeing, you know, that twinkle in their eye, you know, just to show that, you know, they're super excited to be there. You know, whether you snapped a football to them, you let them snap a football, you let them kick a football right at you, whatever you want to do. Um, we were all in, you know, you know, for the kids. And, and that was that was what it's all about, man. And, and uh, you know, I remember I there was a little girl um, with a walker and, and uh, man, just the cutest kid, you know, a little blonde girl, blue eyes um, and 
she couldn't talk, but you know, you could just see that she was so happy, you know, to be interacting with big, tough football players and whatnot. Um, and she's like, she had um, a mentor with her and, and she's like, well, you know, Allison, will you, will you show these guys, you know, your splits? And uh, she did the splits and I'm like, oh, I can do the splits. You want me to show you mine? And then I did it, you know, and then she would just kept, keep dropping them into it. And then by the end of it, my groin was just fried and my hamstrings were so smoked and, and whatnot. But man, you could, you could tell from those kids, you know, any tiny little, little gesture, you know, that you, you sent their way, you know, it was received tenfold. Um, and they, uh, they truly, truly appreciate it. And that's why we raise money. And that's why we, we fundraise um, for that game. You know, not only, you know, do we get chosen as all-stars and leaders of our community and whatnot, um, but we raised a lot of money for a great cause. Um, and, uh, what an, what an incredible opportunity. It was, it was really cool just to see those kids, you know, and, and, uh, see how well received they were, you yeah. know, when we stepped on the field. Yeah. And just to provide a little bit more detail into, um, you know, what the Shriners do and, uh, what these Shrine temples across Iowa do in particular um, when I first heard about it, I didn't really know what they did either. The only thing that I knew about was over in Northwest Iowa, we had a rat patrol. Um, and pretty much there are these little yellow cars that kind of like, you know, figure eight, did, did figure burnouts eights and, and burnouts at like parades around the county and around Northwest Iowa. Um, but anyways, what they do is raise money um, for these hospitals, these shrine hospitals. So when I was first introduced, what they said is we eliminate the you know finance departments from hospitals we have our own hospitals you walk in you walk out everything's paid for and i was like hmm so that's what this game's all about you know we're raising money for these kids too i think there's a, a world-renowned burn hospital in in minneapolis and i could be wrong but ohio or something yeah somewhere over there yeah there's a few shriner hospitals across the uh the nation world-renowned world-renowned and uh, these football games and these other fundraisers that they do are, you know, really to provide for these kids that are um, not as fortunate, whether that be injury or financial reasons. But uh, yeah, yeah, take out the finance department in, in these large hospitals and um, don't pay a single bill, but uh, get fixed yeah. up, come out on top. Yeah, yeah, great cause. Um, and then we'll we'll jump into this now too, but. Um, the the legacy piece of it and and being a part of your high school and represent where you're from um i think one of the coolest things for me at the time my grandfather i don't know if he played or he coached in the iowa shrine bowl um i think he coached and then my dad at one point i think is when he was a coaching at university of pittsburgh coached in the east west shrine bowl um the college version oh, of the game really? so so when we were, we were going through the whole thing, it was, it was kind of this whole third generation of your third in a row to be a part of the Shrine Bowl. And um, yeah, I just got chills thinking about that too, but um, so cool. Yeah. Being, being a part of that legacy, but also um, there were a couple guys ahead of me from my high school that had played into it. Um, I think the last two both went on to Iowa state and played in college. And um, but for you guys, you said, I think you said maybe the last one was in the eighties or something like that. So I want to jump back into into your high school, um, what it means to be be from Woodbury Central, and um, I want I want to talk a little bit about 
being being the two two studs of um obviously like you said trying to trying to get two guys into the shrine bowl but also i remember a little bit about you guys being wrestling right having to trade off who got to go to individual state or who got to go to team state or um because obviously you're both big boys in the same weight class and um yeah what what your high school experience was like um sports wise community wise all of it um what it means to be from there yeah absolutely um so we moved to uh, our parents were both born and raised um, about 10 miles south of Moville in a small town called Climbing Hill. There's about maybe 80, 50, 80, 80 people, 50 or 80 people in, in this very, very small town. Um, but anyways, they moved around, had some jobs and stuff, and, and we moved back to Moville uh, for my dad's job in 2000. In 2000, so we would have been in first grade. And then from first grade on, the unique thing, and I know there's listeners from probably all over the country, is you know we went to a K K through 12 school. So we went to school in first grade, and every single year after that, we were in that exact same building. There were times when we were seniors, and you know we had a little cousin cousin in preschool or kindergarten, and you know they might be walking to lunch, and we're walking our you know to our algebra class or whatever. Give you a big old hug or something. Give them a hug or a high five, and it's like. We told people that when we came to Iowa and they're like, what are you kidding me? That's just something I don't hear of. You know, we had three different ninth and 10th grades and, you know, 11th and 12th grades, um, different buildings, but it was unique. And uh, the thing about Landon and I, and kind of got instilled in us at a young age is that uh, you're going to be involved. And I think our dad and our mom um, both made that very evident. Like, you know, you're going to be involved in, in stuff you're going to try it. Um, if you don't like it, you don't have to pursue it, um, but you're going to try it and you're going to try everything. And I'm talking everything. And then that kind of got bred into us. Um, and we really, we really enjoyed the stuff that we were trying. I mean, everything from choir to band, to show choir, to jazz band, wrestling, basketball, football, soccer, track and field, um, debate team, speech team. I mean, we were involved in, in, in everything and anything just because we wanted to kind of get a taste of everything. We wanted to take our, take a dip in it. And, 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 and furthermore, it was available to us. Um, and I, I mean, I think it's that way everywhere, but you know, at, at bigger schools, you're kind of juggling, you know, it, I, I, we would hear all the time, like at Sioux City Healing or Sioux City East, they're like, Oh, I play football and I play baseball, you know, and that's all I do. And that's what I focus on. Whereas, you know, us at Woodbury Central, you know, we could, we could be four sport athletes and we could, you know, make it work, you know, and we could be in the jazz band, you know, at six o'clock in the morning and we could be at the show choir at six o'clock in the morning on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, And it was available to us and our teachers were real. I mean, our teachers would kind of push and pull and tug and whatnot. And our wrestling coach would be like, well, it's wrestling season. You do this and this and this and this. Well, why does that matter? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, coach, you know, we're involved in it and it's, it's no different. Like we're, we're involved in both, both sports, you know, we're involved in choir, we're involved in wrestling, you know, we're involved in football. Um, and another thing about being from a small school is not only is it available to us, um, our friends were doing it. Um, and it was, it wasn't like, Oh, you guys are band nerds or whatever. We really enjoyed band um and our friends were doing it and it was more enjoyable you know having your friends doing it and people you enjoyed being around 
Um, and it was that way all across the board. You yeah. know, we had friends and, and all different um, ventures, you know, that, you know, one friend was in the debate team, whatnot, um, is very good at it, you know, and other friends, you know, in the band. Um, and, you know, we just wanted to be a part of it. And we're like, man, the, the last thing um, about being from his high school and our time at Woodbury Central is that, I mean, I guess our time, you know, as, as young adults in our, our whole life up to this point is like being twins, um, we have kind of a hidden competitiveness, you know, that nobody sees. So whether it be in the weight room or in the band room or, you know, on the football field or in the wrestling room or, you know, everything at, that we did at McDonald's, at, Mc, <laughs> at McDonald's, you know, everything, anything that I could do to one up him and vice versa, that's what we were going to do. So I remember vividly, you know, when we were seventh and eighth grade trying to power clean or, or hang clean 225 and Levi hit it, you know, and he put two plates on, it was awesome. And all I could get was 220, you know, and just loaded as much weight as I could on there. And I could never hit 225. I'm like, man, that sucks. But the next time that we did, you bet your ass I was going to beat him, you know, and that was that way all across the board. It's like, in band and in show choir, you know, in our daily lives, you know, when we started a couple of small businesses, when we were, you know, not licensed small businesses, we just did them kind of on the side as freelance, freelance manual labor workers, but we were still competing with each other, you know, throwing hay bales. I mean, mm. it's like, I'm not going to quit unless you're going to quit first, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. And that was, that was kind of our, you know, our mantra the whole way. And it, I mean, it still goes on to this day. We, we compete with each other and compare and compare stories and, and, you know, that along the way has helped us to better each other, you know, and it's always this system of checks and balances. Well, if you do it this way, why don't I do it that way? Or it's like, you know, vice versa. And it's, it's kind of the neat part about being a twin, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, growing up with your twin and doing everything together. Yeah. Um, but what I'll add kind of coming back a little bit is, you know, off air, we were talking about, you know, what this podcast means and, and what Thanks Coach means and how Wyatt came up with this. Um, and I think that's kind of kind of relevant to how Landon and I lived our lives at Woodbury Central. Um, you know, every single instructor, band director, coach that we had, um, we wanted to learn something from. Um, yeah. We had, you know, these resources that were available to us and we just wanted to be knowledgeable as best as we could. We wanted to grasp some piece of knowledge you know, whether that's a lesson learned, whether that's, you know, a scale, a scale or, you know, a, a note or an instrument played a certain way. Mm. We always wanted to come, come back the next day because that person was providing something to value of us. They were pouring it, themselves into And into we it. were bought into it. Um, and, and I think that's really how Landon and I lived a, a lot of our life. And yeah, man, it's, it's crazy. I, I don't know if it's, you know, our personalities that teachers and coaches and mentors, you know, resonate towards, but, you know, all the way up until, you know, our, our, our time in college is we've had a, we've had a kind of strange bond with all the coaches and mentors that we've had. Um, and, you know, it started at the beginning, like, like he's saying, you know, it's all across the board. People knew that we were invested in it and we wanted to be great at it. Mm -hmm. So they were willing to, pour it into us and reciprocity yeah. give you know, us it back give us yeah. it back you know and, and teach us something new you know and and that everything that we did we just 
totally indulge ourselves in and try to, you know, overwhelm ourselves, you know, just to, just to become, become the best that we could be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, awesome. and, and just lastly, I'll just comment, um, advice for like younger kids. And, and I think it held true for Landon and I, we were always curious, you know, mm. hmm, that's like a, I just think back to Landon seeing a tuba for the first time, as strange as it sounds, he's like, I wonder what it's like to play that, you know, and this kid picks up a tuba. No, the, the, ba the band director at the time, the band director told me, told me, he said, pick it up, try to make a sound. And he, I mean, it's a $20,000 tuba and it just sits in a case, you know, that our school owns. And I'm like, why is it just sitting there? You know, and we came up as percussionists and then played bass guitar um, and then put and continued to play percussion. And I was like, dude, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of doing it. So I wanted something new. And he's picked up a tuba and, and uh, made a sound in it. And yeah. I, I couldn't stop. I was just like, I want to I want to be the best at it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and lastly, it just goes back to the thanks coach um, thing again, you know, in, in every aspect of your life, if you're, if you're willing to put that work in, I guarantee there's somebody out there that, you know, is willing to help you. You just have, you just have to ask, you just have to show interest, be an active listener and, and go through with it. And uh, they're more than willing to help people are people. There's, there's a lot more good people in the world than, than one might expect. Yeah, for sure. Awesome um there's you talk about competitions made me think i think the worst like competition me and my brother got in like that we we're sitting in a cold tub and it it started out as like who could be in here the longest and we made it like 15 minutes or whatever and it's like okay who can go the deepest so we're up to like it's like just mouth and nose up above the water and it's like okay who can stay here the longest i think we made it like almost half an hour before we finally got out and I was shaking the rest of it. Like, I mean, Brain it, I'm, yeah, I mean, I've got like no body fat on me either. So I'm like, like it took me the entire night to get my body heat back. I, mean, that just, I thought of that, that cracked me up. Um, but I was thinking about this too, with just me from small towns. And I don't think this is just a small town thing. Um, but maybe just a little bias growing up that way. Um, well, hey, what, what, how many people did you guys graduate with? Who was, how many was in your graduating class? 38. 30, okay, so you guys are way smaller than me, but um, we graduated with, I think, 116, um, okay. which still, when I tell a lot of people that, they're like, that's it? That's small. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, and I'm like, we had like 400-something in the school, and they're like, I had more than that in my grade. I just, yeah, it's just, small towns are a little different that way, but um, I was the same way as you guys, and maybe not as much as a push to be that way, just a natural curiosity, but um I think just observing societies like where society pushes people to be the athletic kids get labeled the athletic kids and a lot of times in those bigger schools like you're saying um there's enough of those athletic kids where it's like okay if I want to be special I got to pick one sport I have to devote all my time to or maybe one or two um but at small schools like that you get the chance to I mean I I was football wrestling track baseball year-round as soon as yeah. one got done, you're right into the next. But right. at the same time, you're around everybody else at school and in the hallways, and there's not enough of those clicks, I guess, if you want to call that, at small schools. You're you're around everybody, and you know everybody, and so you naturally just get curious about – I mean, I was in 
FFA and I wasn't a farm kid. I hadn't been, I mean, I mean, I was a big part of it. Like I wanted to know about it. I was doing soil judging competitions and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I learned to weld and woodwork and all that. I mean, I loved it. Um, but at the same time, I won a blue ribbon in like an art fair. And that was one of my biggest accomplishments because I, awesome. I had like a photography project. I'm like, this is so cool. Um, and then I, I took a bunch of art classes and I was in a play and all that kind of stuff. Um, I had a mentor telling me this in college and then looking back on it, seeing how it applied in high school. She said, deep down, everyone just wants to be known. Um, and I think it applies to people's passions in high school where a lot of times the people with maybe like those obscure passions or, or band or whatever, and I play percussion too in band or art or theater, whatever it is that maybe isn't mainstream considered um, in our culture, as soon as you show interest in them, they will give it right back because they're being known. You're understanding what they're excited about and they want to share that with people. And if you're genuinely excited about learning it, um, yeah, I mean, like you guys are saying, I think that's the best way like to live that. and learn. And um, it's a good perspective. More, the more people you can understand what makes them light up like that, um, I think the genuinely happier you're going to be and the more you're going to learn in the process. And it's a lot more fun that way. Um, Absolutely. Anyway, off that soap opera um <laughs> what so let's jump ahead to college now then um we we covered all that you guys got to iowa um maybe we can just hit some high points here a bit um university of iowa obviously is a big big time football school a lot of people know it um bread and butter baby of of iowa football is is tough and and gritty blue collar run the ball down your throat big tough kids <laughs> um but i mean i just remember watching you guys go through it and um seeing you guys climb up and get to the point where you're you're starting and um it i mean it just always makes me proud seeing iowa iowa kids succeed at that level but what what was that culture like going through that as as college athletes just to uh i i don't know I don't know what it is, why, but man, I feel the same way about Iowa kids and seeing Iowa kids succeed. It, I mean, it's, it's not an easy gig and you know, anywhere you are, if you're at UNI, you're at Morningside, you're at Iowa State, you know, wherever you are, man, you know, playing division one football in the state of Iowa is great, you know, and playing any sport, you know, in college is, is unbelievable. So, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. That's uh if anybody has a chance to, to play a sport in college, do it. You'll meet some of your best friends. You'll have some of the best times of your life. Um, but yeah, man, diving into uh, Iowa City, um, I'll start by saying everybody's path is different. You know, it doesn't matter where you are, you know, where you are in your life when you get to college, when you, when you get there, you start from scratch and you're no longer, you know, the best player in class A football um, at Moville uh, Woodbury Central High School. That's, that's not the way it is. Um, and I think that our coaches at Iowa really set the, set the standard and set the stage. And when they recruited us, they told us, it's not gonna be easy. I was like, well, that's kind of scary. Everybody else is telling me that's gonna be awesome. And we've got all this cool stuff and it's sweet. and and it resonated with us that, you know, Iowa always talks about tough, smart, physical, you know, and that gritty aspect. 
Um, and, and just like you said in the beginning, um, seeing Iowa kids succeed, you know, is awesome. That's what resonated for me um, with the Iowa, Iowa culture is that the coaches were straightforward with me and they told me it was going to be hard. And they said they were going to coach me hard. And I said, absolutely. That's what I want. I don't want you to sit there and, you know, feed me with a silver spoon and tell me how great I am and how awesome I'm going to be. I want you to coach me hard. I want, to sh I want you to show me the right way to do things. And I don't want you to hold me accountable for my actions. Um, and as soon as we stepped foot in Iowa City, we had teammates holding us accountable. You know, and when we'd step out of line, teammates would say, hey, that's not the way we do things. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. You know, or even if it was I said something, you know, that slipped out of my mouth and it was disrespectful or whatnot. We don't do that, man. Um, and uh, just to just to go back and, and, and how I started everything, um, everybody's path is different. Um, along the way, coach Ferentz was very, very, very good about saying, know your role and know your role in the team. It doesn't matter if you're a starter. It doesn't matter if you're number two, it doesn't matter if you're number three, four, it doesn't matter if you're a scout team player. It doesn't matter if you're equipment manager, know your role on the team and dive into it head first. Um, and that was, that was super, super extremely helpful. Um, and coach saying that from the top down resonated with players within our, within our organization. Um, and senior leaders, you know, when we were freshmen would come up to us and say, Hey man, I really appreciate you giving me the hardest look possible on the scout team. I was like, really? I didn't feel like I was doing anything and I definitely wasn't doing a good job about it. They're like, no, you know, that extra shove that you gave me after the play, I appreciate that because we get that in a game all the time. You know, that's, I want you to replicate what it is in a, in a, in a playing field. Um, and that was, that was, you know, reciprocate, reciprocated all across of our, our, our culture and, and holding the guys accountable um, and letting guys know when they were doing something right, even when they weren't the starter, when they weren't the best player on the team, when they knew they had two or three, four years before they could even see a snap of football on the field. Um, it, me and his stories were different, totally different. Levi started as a sophomore, um, played damn good football in 2017, played against Michigan when we kicked the field goal to beat them, um, played against Illinois down the line. I didn't see a valuable snap of football until the pinstripe bowl um, I was on the PAT team and, uh, what was that? 2018. Yep. 2018. And then 2019, um, I still didn't play a meaningful snap of football, but I was on the PAT special teams team. And I thought it was awesome. I'm like, man, I get to travel with the team. It's super cool. You know, get to go and watch what, you know, the big dogs do it, you know, and I, I'd always, you know, owned my role and, and accepted, you know, where I was, athletically and developmental wise. Um, and I always knew that I wanted, I just wanted to keep inching forward and take one step at a time, one step at a time. And eventually, you know, it would, it would pay off. And, and, you know, then my senior year, I started, I started 11 games and uh, that was the most rewarding thing to me is like not even playing for four years, you know, just got done playing the Shrine Bowl got the MVP of the Shrine Bowl, whatever, voted by my, by teammates, which was incredible. And then I come to college, don't play football for four years. Don't block somebody in real life for four years. And it was hard, but like, I'm telling you, 
you put your nose to the grindstone, you grind it out, man, it was rewarding. And my, I'll end with this on, on my story. I, my thing is I'm definitely not as athletic as Levi is. Never have been. I've been stronger than him. He's been faster than me, but he's way more athletic than I am. And I totally accept it. But my deal is, and I think we both kind of think the same way is you can't out athlete an athlete, but you can sure as hell out grit them. And that was my whole thing. The whole entire time I, I did a tug of war competition. Um, it's one-on-one. -on -one. You put a harness on, another guy puts a harness on and you put a, a, a toe strap in between you two. And then you pull each other for 10 yards. And it goes on for like 40, 30, 45 seconds. And I went against Tristan Wirfs and I was nervous, man. So nervous. I mean, this dude is a behemoth. One of our great friends. Yeah, Tristan Wirfs. What, 13th overall this year? Right. Playing, blocking for Stop. Tom Brady. Stop. Blocking for Tom Brady, you know. Yeah. And I went against him last, last summer. And I whooped his ass in that tug-of-war competition. And Coach Doyle saw it. And he immediately blew up on Tristan. He's like, you let Landon Paulson, an inferior athlete, beat your ass in a tug-of-war competition and blah, 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 and this and that and whatever. And Coach was making a point, you know, and Coach was – I understood, you know, all everything that Coach said to me and the points that he was trying to make. Um, and, and me and Coach are on very good terms, and I joke with him all, all the time about him, his athletic ability, and he jokes to me all the time about my <laughs> athletic ability. But that's my thing, man, is, is you can't – you. I can't change my genetics, um, but my mindset guaranteed is going to beat yours 10 times out of 10. So you can't out athlete an athlete, but you can sure as hell outgrid them. That's, that's my deal, man. And, and uh, I'll live, I'll live to the, I'll live by that, you know, until the day that I, die, cause I saw it pan out over five years. Yeah. And um, my, I'm going to take a little bit more of a broad, um, dive into the Iowa culture and kind of what I saw. Um, so the, the, the thing about, you know, being in division one athletics, um, is that coach Ferentz kind of looked at it in three pillars of your life. Football is the, is in the driver's seat. Um, the second pillar is going to be your social life. The third, the third pillar is going to be your academics. And there's a, you know, it's kind of like a, a, what do they call those things? Um, like a, not a pendulum, but a, a mobile, you know, where you have to have everything in balance. If one, gets, if one gets out of balance, then, you know, something's going to happen. Something is going to occur which, that you don't like if one of them's out of balance. So you got to keep them in balance. And I think that was a big learning curve for me um, upon coming into the Iowa football program. I knew it was going to be demanding, but I didn't know how demanding it was going to be. Um, so for five years, it really felt like, uh, you know, this football's in the driver's seat. You know, when I first got to campus, um, our offensive line coach at the time was Brian Ferentz. And he said, boys, he said, this is something I want to make very clear with you guys, uh, is that uh, football always comes second and school comes first. See what I did there? <laughs> I'm holding up. I'm holding up two, saying one and vice versa. Um, so he said, school comes first, football comes second. That's what he said. And I, and I thought about that. I'm like, okay, okay. 
you know, and, 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 and Landon and I have never had a, a problem in school. Um, we've always, we've never been overly exceptional for Landon. It's kind of came to him. I had to try a little bit harder. Um, but my philosophy in school to keep my balance was if you go to class, put your phone down while you're in class for 45 minutes and take notes, do your homework and turn it in on time and take the test. You're going to pass. You're going to get through college. Oh, you're, yeah. you're really going to get through college. There's one class that that didn't apply to. It was really hard. One of my geographical information systems and remote sensing class, man, that was not, that, that was not the case. He actually had to read the book. Um, <laughs> but that was something that, you know, I kind of makes me feel bad. And maybe it's another talking point in this podcast is that, you know, I feel like being a football player, I feel like you do get treated a little bit differently on campus. And Landon and I have always been one to really want to cultivate relationships with everybody. So our first year, we had to go to the Jardine Athletic Learning Center, which is pretty much kind of like a study hall. It's a big library for athletes only. Um, you go there, study, you had eight hours a week that you had to mandatory go in, clock in, couldn't leave. You had to be there for eight hours, no matter what. Yeah. Um, and we just wanted to, you know, meet people. But what made it hard is that, you know, Obviously, we, as football players, make a lot of money for the university, but also we kind of get treated differently. We, we get fed differently. Um, you know, we have different facilities than everybody else. And from an outsider's view, talking to some of these people we're talking about, it's like, for me and Landon, it was like, you don't get, you know, three sandwiches from Jimmy John's and protein shakes and any kind of protein bar. Gatorades, I mean, anything. They didn't get the same thing as we got. So it kind of provi provided a unique kind of perspective uh, perspective and relationship because I felt like from the outside in, it was like those guys are getting treated differently, <clears throat> which I didn't like because I, I think everybody should be treated equally. I think, you know, if you're a Division One athlete, you should eat like a Division One athlete. Yep. And you should have Division One, one facilities. facilities. Yeah. All down the line, and it's not that way, which is which we learned, you know, along the way, and and uh, it's kind of it's it's a little bit troublesome, you know, to think about that. Yeah. It's like we heard stories about the Iowa gymnastics team and and uh, women's gymnastics team, and it's like they didn't even have a locker room. It's like yeah, what, you know, and and just stuff like that, you know, really opened our eyes, and we're just like, man, we're it it. it where you're kind of going with this is like it made us extremely extremely grateful for the facilities that we had and for mm. you know the training table that we had um and we never treated anybody different we never boasted about it and said blah 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 this we had this and this and this you know is always very respectful with you know any other athletes that we would encounter and and you know we developed relationships with all these other athletes and and you know learned about them and and you know their time at Iowa and what they go through on a daily basis and you know wrestlers are different you know they all cut weight the old way you know hard old school way and sit in a sauna or whatever and sit and you know just sweat and and starve yourself and whatnot um, but you know we learned about them and we learned about stuff that they were implementing. Um, to cut weight, you know, a healthy way and, and stuff like that. But um, if you want to go, keep going. Yeah. So just to kind of really put the icing on the cake here on, on the Iowa culture, it was 
it was it was a demanding a demanding culture from our aspect um, and if you didn't buy into it you know within the first couple of months or after your first three strikes it, it really felt like the coaches tried to urge you to you know get out of this this culture um, because I felt like they were being fair they were treating everybody equally um, but it is a division one sport and the it's only thing we knew was Iowa football we had morning schedules so during the season we were at the football complex from five o'clock in the morning getting you know pre uh, breakfast kind of like a pre-breakfast uh, we had a breakfast sandwich and then a protein shake some fruit and then we had you know our treatments right into meetings um, after a little bit of meetings one of the uh, sides of the ball would go lift weights while the other one met and then swap out and then after those were done practice and then after those were done then we went out to practice we practiced for two and a half hours um, came back in shower um, maybe watched a little bit of film but really tried to kind of get on with your day and we grabbed we grabbed lunch and our brunch it was kind of 11 30 ish maybe 12 30 ish depending on the day and this is monday tuesday wednesday of game week monday tuesday game wednesday of game week so we're at the complex from five in the morning until about 12 30 in the morning doing football related activities, whether that's lifting, meeting, or practicing, or eating. Yeah. Right from there, jump into classes. So we have about 12.30 till five o'clock every night to kind of schedule your practices in, classes. or your classes, excuse me. Um, so people are going to classes. <clears throat> and then at five o'clock at night, um, in that you know four and a half hour gap of classes, uh, five o'clock at night, we would start a team meeting. We'd have meetings for an hour and a half until 6.30 or 7-ish, probably right in the middle, probably 6, 6 7, 6.45-ish. Yep. And then we'd eat dinner. It'd be 7 o'clock. People would jump into night classes, try to get some sleep because you got to be up the next morning at 5 o'clock. So um, it was very demanding. And juggling that six out of the seven days a week uh, – was kind of a learning curve, you know, um, if you're used to, you know, hanging out with your friends, giving your girlfriend the time of day, uh, excelling in classwork or coursework, you know, it really, you had to figure out what your priorities were. You, I mean, you really did. Yeah. And you had to make sacrifices, you know, as far as, yeah, you either sacrificed for the benefit of the team, um, you sacrificed your, Either, it's like that, that triangle he's talking about. He's like social life, you know, class and football, you know, and you have to find a balance of those three. Um, any one of them that leans too far one way, you know, you slack on the other one. Um, and finding that balance was, was something that a lot of guys struggled with um, and a, guy, a lot of guys can't handle. But yeah. then again, you, a coach is very good about letting, letting guys know, you know, the ex expectations up front yeah and the expectations being you know you're not gonna ha live a joe college lifestyle like your cousin that's you know across campus you know going to the bars every night or you know thursday friday saturday sunday you know you're not living that lifestyle yet. yeah it looks good from the outside but you can't you're a division one athlete and if you try to live that lifestyle you're not you're not gonna be in the program for very long right and yeah. and you know just to top that off I'll never forget, you know, kind of little thanks coach mentality. Um, when we first left for Iowa City, um, this was in 
June, beginning of June of 2015. So it was before the Shrine Bowl. When we first left, um, our dad wrote us both a note and just said, hey, boys, I want you guys to know that you guys are about to experience um, something that most kids can only dream about. And our dad never got sentimental or anything like that, but I still have that note to this day. And uh, he couldn't, it couldn't ring more true. You know, it's like, it is the experience of a lifetime. Hmm. And most kids can only dream about what you guys are going to do. And me and Levi, we left home beginning of June and we were freaking bawling our eyes out, you know, for the first 45 minutes of the car ride, you were driving. It's like, I looked at him and said, we're done with this now, you know, and then we just cranked the music up and went on with our days. Um, but that's the thing, man, is like college sports are fun, great, awesome, um, but they're demanding. Um, if you put your nose to the grindstone, trust the process um, and, and find that balance, you know, it truly is an opportunity that only, you know, 98% of kids only can only dream about. So, hmm. If while you're there, if anybody on this podcast is a college athlete or an aspiring college athlete, invest in it, you know, and, and trust the process because it truly will reward you. Thanks again for joining us. That was episode one of my interview with the Paulson twins. I'll skip over all of my normal mumble jumbo and save that for the end of episode two. I hope you do stick it out and listen to both episodes because I really enjoyed talking with these dudes and I learned a lot in the process. I hope you do too. Reach out to me if you're enjoying what you hear and let me know if you have any ideas for the podcast. Thanks guys.